Welcome back to Chasing Squirrels Podcast. This evening, I am getting, I'm going to say, a little bit out, a little bit out of the EDU zone. In the last little bit, I've started to consider broader, sort of broader, broader implications of what's going on outside of education and, and trying to see who might have some cool information or a different point of view or just experiences that influence how education shapes, but also kind of create a different sort of story, especially with Chasing Squirrels been pursuing the whole, you know, what's happening in education, changes in education, and all the great work that some of the colleagues that have graced me with sitting in the podcast, the stuff that they've shared has been wonderful. But I'm starting to wander a little bit off that path. So this evening, I'm talking with with Herman, and Herman is a podcaster. He has said also that he has an education background. He's done uh, social work and support with men, I'm going to say specifically, and helping them to understand and explore, and I'm going to say celebrate masculinity. And it just so happens that that's how I came to contacting or connecting with. So I'm going through my social feed and I see someone wearing a t-shirt and on the t-shirt, it's just right up front. It says modern manhood and the icon on it was eye catching. I thought, you know what? That's a really cool turn of phrase. And I checked out his podcast and I thought this is amazing content. In my context, I struggled to represent a lot of different, I'll say wear a lot of different hats. So the students that I work with, uh, I'm the teacher. I'm also sometimes the guidance counselor, um, sometimes a little bit of a parent as well. And I've started to find myself more and more considering who and what I am as a, as a male mentor or as a male role model. And one of the great things about the content that, uh, that Herman's putting up is that this is the conversations, the conversations he has on his podcast so far have been bigger, broader conversations of the smaller ones that I get on the day-to-day basis in the classroom. So hoping to explore a little bit about his podcast, a little bit about the work that he does, and a little bit about the complexity when you decide to open up small conversations into the big podcast world. So Herman, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Would you like to throw anything else down as part of that introduction? Sure. Um, I guess, you know, you asked me to do a little intro. So I guess I'm a I'm a podcaster slash educator slash mental health coach slash healthy relationship coach slash lover of all things to do with gender. And I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm in Canada. That's awesome. I think that that added nicely. <laughs> I like all the, I like all the slashes too, right? Because it yeah. just I'm I'm gonna without without having a, a sort of a deep profile of you. When I think about the the varied conversations that you've had on your podcast, I think like me, you've had to wear a lot of different hats in those conversations. Totally, totally. It's it's something that I have to research uh, on a constant basis as to what is my subject or the subject, I didn't say subject, uh, person that's coming into the show, where they're coming from, what experience they're coming from, and try to uh, know, work a little bit around that and see what I can uh, mine from their from their brain. Sometimes I don't know anything, which is sometimes uh, anxious, <laughs> anxiety driven sometimes, but sometimes some of the best conversations come out of that. It's a little bit of curiosity. You know, I did, I, I tried that with one of the episodes 
where someone just made the suggestion, oh, Clough, you should talk too. And I connected with that person. I really trusted the individual that was saying you should talk to a friend of mine that you might have. All the person thought was that we would have a great conversation. So I reached out, set it up. We were set to have the conversation and we both agreed we will not lurk each other at all. Oh, okay. So we we arrived in the conversation space and just in the sort of beginning, you know, what uh, getting the introduction out, the individual said, you know, what their context was and what they did. And we just went with the conversation and it was really cool. So there's sometimes space there to improvise. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting for my podcast specifically because I do have an open invite um, to be on the show. So I, I do get emails to say like people that I have no idea about and I can't find anything on the internet about, and I just kind of invite them. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. I'll, I'll talk to you. And it is like, like jumping into a, a, a dark tunnel, which I have no idea what's going to be at the other side, but I'm like, I've been lucky that for most of um, actually all of them have been really fascinating and interesting profiles. So, yeah. So you mentioned the research, you mentioned, uh, you know, that the, the, the challenge of the challenge of, um, you know, getting to the conversation, but getting the gems that come out of it. Mm-hmm. What, um, go back to the beginning. How long have you been doing the podcast for? It's going to be two years in May. So I started in May of 2016. Yeah, 2016 in May. Yeah. So, so what's your origin story for the, for the podcast? The show. What, what made it seem, yeah, what made it seem like this is a really great idea? Or was it more subtle than that? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll just give this a try. It's, it was a little bit of both. <laughs> it was something that was like, um, so like I mentioned on the intro, I'm a, uh, I'm a mental health coach, and uh, I worked as a youth advisor for a while um, in the social work area. And it's interesting working in, in social work because um, there's not many women, especially here in Canada. There's not many, I'm so many men, sorry, working through in social work. Um, so I had a client list. I had a client list, and most of them were guys because I felt that, I think people feel like, hey, there's a there's a guy that needs a hand. Go talk to the other guy the only other guy that we have in our, in our workspace. So I have a client list of just of young men that, uh, that I had on my caseload. Um, but which is, was interesting because then I, I had to do a lot of research and I had to learn a lot of studying around what um, made them tick and what made them, uh, where were their struggles from, like what kind of problems that they were facing. And I found through my research and I found through talking to them that a lot of these problems were um, they were people that were stuck in systems and those systems were very um, like trenched into old traditional values and old traditional views of gender. Um, so I, I was doing a podcast. I still don't doing this podcast. It, it, it was a hockey podcast. We we're just goofing around. And so I still, I love podcasting, but at the same time, I noticed that this was something that wasn't in the, in our mindset of just having a conversation within guys um, to kind of explore what it is to be a, a man. Um, so I was at a podcast meetup once and uh, a person on, on the panel was like, you know, like you should really do something that you're really passionate about, maybe um, a niche thing. And so that idea just kind of popped up in my head. And I, and I just picked out a bunch of people in my Facebook group, in my Facebook list. I was like, Hey, these are guys that I would love to talk to um, that I feel would be, uh, very interesting, and also um, p- people that might want to think about what it is to be a guy, 
and they just kind of started from there. And, and, and I think, like you said, like, I didn't know how it was going to go. Um, but at the reception of it, like even from the start was really good and it was really, um, positive and I've had got some good feedback around it. And, and I looked around in the, in the potosphere, a lot of people, a lot of the different podcasts are out there. Um, and there wasn't many podcasts like the ones that I was doing. So I was happy to provide that kind of uh, space for it. And I was surprised that there wasn't um, that conversation being, you know, being said or being done anything about. So, uh, you know, it, it's something that's going on right now, that, that conversation around what it is to be a man. And that's um, kind of prevalent in 2018. Uh, but I was happy to start that back in 2016. So the yeah, reaching out to your Facebook group and saying, hey, can I book you for next week? Um, some of the individuals that you approached, were they so with some of the, with the type of conversations that you, you've had on your podcast, were these some somewhat like you're sort of known for these types of conversations within your, your social social group? Or was it kind of a surprise to anyone that you sort of reached out and said, hey, I think I want to go deeper into, hello, friend, <laughs> A, would you care to speak to me about what it means to be a man? And they're like, yo, Herman, like, oh, okay. <laughs> or was it, you know, was it as surprised at all? Did everybody kind of go, you know what, I could, I could see this. Because if you're, here's the thing that I found. Yeah. In, you know, it's great to be friendly yeah. in the podcast, podcast, right? And I feel like I've, I, you know, we've got a, a, a cool start, a connection here. But it can become challenging if you're leaning on the friend factor. Totally. Because then you've got history and then you've got so, you know, anyone kind of saying, yo, if we're gonna talk about this, like you can't tell anybody that we're talking about this is on the side. Well, I guess it's on the podcast, it's out for yeah, everyone. It's pretty what was it it's like? pretty public. <laughs> yeah, what was um, it like? <laughs> what was it like approaching your your friend group as your your initial or your social group as your initial uh cast list? It was it was definitely um nerve wracking in some cases, because you're right. It was, it wasn't a conversation that was, um, that was a, it was kind of a sensitive conversation. And I, but I think the people that I picked originally uh, were people that I, I really uh, admired as guys. And also, and I think they liked that. And I think because of the point of the podcast was for me to not only explore their versions of masculinity, but also kind of not to celebrate what they do, um, but also kind of uh, tweak out what, what it is that, that makes them um, a guy that is not only, um, you know, working on their version of what a man is, but also kind of being that little bit of extra. For example, the first episode I did uh, was with a gentleman named Spencer Clark. And he's a man that, um, that I've known for maybe like two or three years before then. Um, but I didn't really know a whole a whole well but when i sent him an email saying like hey i'm doing this project um and you know i the 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 way i the way i phrased it was like you know i really admire the way that you handle yourself and the way that you um you 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 have a lot of good friends and you think you have these uh cool connections and you know i think that you're you're kind of a a person that i really want to know a little bit more about and i think i'm doing this project about what it is to be a man and like i would love to talk to you about um what your thoughts are on this and I think once they understood that I wasn't coming at them or wasn't attacking them or anything, and I just wanted to explore what they what their thoughts were, they really calmed down and they really like um, were happy to be a part of it. I haven't gotten um, actually no, that's not true. I've gotten a couple of like, hey, maybe and maybe not, maybe 
maybe next time or whatever. Um, but I think once they realized that they were not being, um, you know, put on the spot or anything like that, that they, they were happy to do it. And I think like, for instance, like the first episode with Spencer, Spencer was really happy to do it. And I kind of want to do one with him again, just to, to see what it's life is like after the first episode, uh, that, that, that I might do that. So yeah, it, it was hard at the start, but at the same time, I think most people approached it with a, with an open and keen mind, which is nice. Yeah, it's one of the it, one of the responses sometimes when I ask people to come on the podcast is really you you want to talk to me? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, and then you got you got to frame the thing that you notice. And and often what I found is you sort of shape that thing that you and like you said, you you know, being point blank, I admire you as a man. I I appreciate the work that you're doing. And I think that I'd like to dig a little bit deeper. Would you have a conversation? The, my approach is very similar. And, and mm-hmm. often I'll get back, like, how did you, how did you notice this? Like, how did you, mm-hmm. how did you pick up on that? So I'm, I'm curious from your POV, what is it sort of like a, either about your training or your background? Like, how is it that, that this has become a focus for you, a, a passion, you know, and ultimately a podcast? What, what, what was the stuff that led up to coming into the podcast is it as simple i want sorry simple or complex as your work experience or is this a kind of like a working frame that you've had in the background for a while have you been were, were you born an advocate herman was this sort of like in <laughs> no, your dna definitely no. not no i you know what like if if i if i'm thinking of the actual like genesis 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 at the very start of it um you know i i was I was going through a kind of a rough patch in my life that I was going in between jobs and like, I, you know, I, I was feeling kind of lonely, feeling kind of beat up on myself. Um, and I started reading some books and it was funny because before then it was just like, like, um, and I'll be totally honest about this. It was very like, oh, I wanted to find a, I wanted to find a girlfriend. So I started reading these books about like dating. <laughs> and so, but, but I found a book, and it was um, by Mark Manson. It was, the book was called Models, um, and it wasn't it wasn't like a pickup artist book. It was like because I read those things and I was like, this is garbage, and I just kind of threw them out. Like they, I felt like I'm just trying to trick people. I hated it. Um, but this book was the first one that said, you know what? You know, the trick is really to be assertive, is to be vulnerable, um, and vulnerability is something that um, a lot of men lack. And then it's like vulnerability is a part of strength, like to actually ask somebody out on a date um, is being very vulnerable. Um, and you have, to, you have to own that vulnerability. And I really like took that in and I was like, oh, this is this. That was the, the exact advice I needed um, at that time. But then <laughs> when I when I started realizing that this doesn't apply to dating, this actually applied to like a lot of things in life. Um, and then when I started working, um, my my youth advisor job. And I started seeing these, these young men um, having problems with exactly that, with just vulnerability. And it wasn't just a problem because they wanted to land a date. It was a problem with their, with peer pressure. It was a problem with bullying. It was a problem with um, their, their, uh, their attraction to drugs or or being in a gang or like, and I, and I kind of like piece these things together. And I started, that's when I started doing a lot of more research to actually understand like, what is it about vulnerability that, that we lack, why do we lack this kind of version of vulnerability? And what is it about uh, young men that, that really need this kind of support? Um, 
And I found that that uh, whatever this guy was saying, Mark Manson was saying, was actually like was being said by a lot of gender theorists around since the 80s. Um, so it was it was really neat to like synchronize those two things. So I wasn't a, I was definitely not a woke man or an advocate before that time. But once I started seeing those those kind of trends, I I started noticing more. And I and I think once I started noticing what vulnerability looks like and what vulnerability I saw in other guys, I noticed that it wasn't celebrated as much. I noticed that these guys were just doing these things um, and they weren't really being told that they were doing this right. Like I, I, for instance, like um, Spencer, for example, to use him as an example, again, he's a dad right now. Um, and I see like, I see pictures of his, uh, his wife is on my Instagram a lot and I see pictures of him and his daughter and I'm like, he he looks like such like a fantastic daddy. Like plays with her do- his daughter. Um, like he teaches he, teaches her to like try to like fix the motorcycle. Like I see him as a, this amazing model of a of a father, and I want to celebrate that a little bit more. Um, and I don't think he knows that he is. He just I think he just does. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. It's the noticing. You're coming back to the noticing. Yeah, and it's 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 so powerful, and I also love the and I'd never thought about this before, in in the way that you said it is also the the you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing, you're good response. Yeah, exactly. And I and I haven't, I don't know. I I had this sort of off the cuff comment when I was. I think I drew your work in with Next Gen Men, and it was a really my colleague and I. Um, she's a CYW, so she's a child youth, youth worker. We work mm-hmm. together in the uh, in our program, so often we're sort of trading stories from the different podcasts that we found. And, I'm, and when I was trying to sort of shape, you know, what your podcast was about, it was it was funny on the front end. I was almost it. <sighs> In talking about the ex- exploration of what modern manhood was, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm I'm starting with the word like prideful or shameful. I don't mean that intentionally. I just I don't have a better sort of like a, a, a better descriptor for it because as I as I started to articulate the connection that I felt to the content, I started to I started to like question like why is it that a podcast like this exists. Like I was really, con- I was really conflicted. I was like, I was saying to myself at the same time, like, this is cool content. And then I felt really selfish. Like somehow, you know, in speaking about the positivity and, and the coolness and me as a father, a dad, a teacher, I was struggling for words to frame that positively. Right. I, right. I tended to exist more in the neutral frame. And I realized that as I was saying it and I kind of just flipped out a little bit at the end. I'm like, it basically comes down to when was the last time, you know, you ever heard two guys saying, Hey, let's just get together and talk about our wellness. <laughs> and and I was like, that's all I want to, that's all I have to say about that. And it's, and I, and it's funny because I'm, I'm not, I'm not the woke male either, but I've learned enough to listen more than talk. Mm. I really have. I've, that's, mm-hmm. that's my, my, there's my woke moment that I've, mm-hmm. I've learned again and again that it's it's good to listen and in doing so you you'll you hear a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff comes to you totally totally how so when you see these you you've done like you you have a you have a deep catalog now of conversations yes almost 50 it's nice is there any particular themes or 
topics that pop up that have become now part of this bigger picture. So you've had this really nice body of work, this inquiry you've done. Is there anything that's popping up consistently that you can start to, you know, it kind of becomes part of, okay, here's the thing about modern manhood. And you kind of put that thing in. Do you have any of that, you know, that soft data from your conversations yet? What's the stuff that just keeps popping up? It's interesting you say that because I, and this is something that I I really want to make sure with modern manhood. And I know that, that it's, it's something, something that I don't want to fall into a trap about is about um, trying to define what masculinity is. Cause I don't think that this, I think the definition of masculinity is whatever um, a man makes it out to be. Um, and I don't think that we like, <laughs> it's funny cause I was, when I was just talking on this other education podcast and I was talking about the kind of the same idea. Um, and I said, you know, like, like really like what I believe masculinity should be is, is you being a man, if you're, as long as you're not hurting yourself or somebody else, like go do your thing. Like <laughs> really like, like I, I, it doesn't meet the, doesn't define you as a person for whatever you do. You can go play sports. You can go and do a play. You can do whatever you want. As long as you're not um, trying to define what another person's masculinity is or trying to make that your own, like a huge part of your identity because I think that's where you're landed the trouble. Um, so that's why I call modern manhood an exploration of masculinity. Cause I think that there is vast, many different types of what um, men are, are viewing as their own masculinity. So I, I try very hard not to define it, but as a theme, it's um, I mean, like, like, like I mentioned, like, like vulnerability is definitely a theme that comes up a lot. Um, and I think a lot of guys view vulnerability in many different ways. Um, and they, they view it in the sense of, of like the, the conversation that I had with Alex, Alex Pudisi, um, he framed it in the sense of, do I, am I vulnerable, to, but excuse me, am I vulnerable enough to pursue a, a business by myself, something that I want to do and knowing that I'm not, going to be the breadwinner in the house that my wife is going to have to support me for a bit. That takes a lot of, in the, our identity of traditional masculinity, being the person that earns the most money um, can be, you know, that's, that's something that a lot of people take a lot of pride in, um, which is fine as long as that doesn't become shape your identity. You know what I mean? Because if something like that has to happen, or if you lose your job, then that's a big piece of your identity that you're losing. So to be vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm going to put that aside and actually try to do something that's good for me, but knowing that this might be a little bit of a struggle, that's tough to do, and that's, and that does take a lot of vulnerable strength to do that. Um, the other themes that I'm that I noticed is uh, fatherhood was a big um, theme that comes up every now and again, like how to be a good dad, what am I going to do with my son or my daughter. Um, themes around um, being a stay-home dad. Um, that's come up at least three times. Um, also, friendship was one of them, like how to talk, how to be a good guy friend with other guys. And also with, and noticing uh, sexism um, was another one that comes up a lot. And uh, and having the understanding that sometimes it's hard to call that out and it's hard to actually be that person in the, to, to call out other guys to do that. Um, but 
to have the strength to actually be supportive and and noticing that that's happening. So, and, it, and it's funny because that I was thinking about this beforehand. Of like, should I? I want to take a lot of the episodes and just make kind of a <laughs> maybe I should hire somebody to do this, but like a research of like trying to find out those themes. What are the things that come out? Because I do have a, a nice body of work now to like to kind of go back and say like, what are these guys actually talking about? And actually make this into some sort of paper that I can present to other people and say, this is what we found by doing 40 something episodes of modern manhood and more. So it would be interesting and fascinating mm-hmm. thing to find out. Yeah. I don't know if that's answering your questions. That's kind of like goes all over the place. No, no, it's good. No, no, no. That totally, that totally works. And I, and I realized even in asking the question originally, I totally pigeonholed the work that you do. And, um, even in my notes here, you know, the way I wrote it down, I wrote it down as assessing masculinity, which is that is exactly what you just said. It's, it's the gathering of information. Yes. It's not the let's put it into a box and just pack it up, you know, right away. We're not going to, we don't, we don't have to turn it into Lego pieces right now. We're just going to keep grabbing and grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. Totally. So I like, it, you did answer it. And I like, I like that it's, it's, it's far more open-ended. You, you raise an interesting you raise an interesting application, um, and I don't know if it's if you sort of owe it to either the guests or owe it to the pursuit, let's say, of the um, of the conversations to sort of bring it together into something that um, is a little bit more targeted, a little bit more uh, like a tool, so to speak. To and I guess it, what what I'm basically saying is is the, are the conversations enough? No, you know what I mean. And, and the conversation, are the so they're the not conversations enough. enough just, they're not enough. I don't think that they're enough. Like, and I and I and I struggle with this too because I the podcast is 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 a medium to have that to for people to think about, right? Like, it's I go back to this quote a lot because this is part of the work that I do, and it's not like I get asked to go and do a presentation or I get asked to talk to a bunch of um, parents or a business or a school board or whatever. And they asked me to come by and ask me to do a presentation. And I tell them all the stuff around masculinity, all the research, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter if nobody does anything. Like, that's just thin air. Um, so I always go back to a quote and I always say it at the end of, a pres- of my presentation. Implementation is not an event. And it needs to be a process. So, like, if you want to implement this either societal change or whatever you need to do, culture change, whatever it is, you need to actually practice it and do it and do it and do it. That that but and that doesn't mean doing one presentation and making sure everybody thinks about it and then they go off and do it. You actually have to physically try to make that happen. So the podcast is just like this is just an awareness tool. I I wish I had more time in a day to actually create this, but I I want to try to create more of a community around the people around modern manhood um, and also try to make sure that. The people that are listening to it also have something to do right afterwards. Um, so sometimes I do kind of give them homework or, um, but I don't like, I'm not a teacher. I just can't like say like, Hey, bring me back your homework. Tell me what you, uh, what you came back with. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like I, the, the podcast, and I know this for sure. The podcast is just, it's just a medium. And uh, I wish people would go out for it, go out and do stuff uh, with it. I'm glad that I'm hearing that when, when people listen to it, they get ideas and they get thoughts about it. And, and hopefully those thoughts turn into some actions or something different, or maybe they do something a little bit different. Maybe they think about um, 
the boys that they uh, that they interact with in a different way, which is fantastic. That 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 in itself is kind of a change, but at the same time, like I I don't owe to that change. It, the podcast is just a podcast; it's just an audio medium. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I wasn't. Um, I, I'm curious. I've been. I've been asked the same thing, like, what's up with your podcast, Clef? Like, what's, why? And I kind of, <laughs> and, and you know, I always, whenever, you know, you're asked, a, let's say, a pointed question, you, you measure the moment, the context, the person that's asking the question. And because to sort of give the full, um, you know, let's say heartfelt explanation, you complete, sometimes completely miss the mark. They're just, you know, why that and not you know, why don't you, why wouldn't you rather read a book? You know, it could be exactly. far simpler. And, and for me, it's, it really has become, you know, when I went the podcasting, the, the subjects of conversations, even this one, it keeps widening. I'm completely aware of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a certain amount of edu, edu agoraphobia that I'm starting to step into because you start to realize how big the space of that conversation is. Totally. Totally. And, and sometimes, sometimes you get a couple touchstones and, a, and, you, and you just kind of go, whew, there's another person talking about the same thing. But I just feel like the conversations I've had about education, it just keeps getting bigger. Like there's no edge to that. There's yeah. no edge to that planet. I'm just going further and further out. Yeah. I'm not adrift, but it's mind blowing that way. And I, it strikes me like, dude, you're in the middle of the same... We may pass each other, you know, like, hey, Herman, hey, Clef, how's it going? Yep, just on my way. You know, like passing on the seas of podcasting. Where are you going? Not sure. Yeah. Compass is broken. That's exactly I'm really it. digging the trip. <laughs> it's exactly it. It becomes it does it feel overwhelming to you? I um you know, it's it it I tend to have a um someone asked me, Do you go back and listen to your episodes? Do you do you go back and listen to your episodes yeah, I often? Do. I do. I just, just do. It's more of a quality test than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually sort of moved past that. I'm a, and I am going back to spend time with those people again, because I off the cuff answered um, really cool educator out my way. Her name's Jen Apgar. And she, I was, I wanted to find out about her. She ended up just counterpointing and asking me about, you know, Clef, why do you do podcasting? And mm-hmm. that ended up being the conversation that we had. I had to bring her back for another episode because I wanted to get the cool work that she did. Right. And I and I told her, I said, I don't, I don't at that time, I wasn't going back and listening. I said, I go through, I check the, I check the waveform, I check the transitions, I make sure that the levels are good. Like I do that one clean listen. Right. And then I kind of just I let it sit in the back of my brain. And all these people I'm still connected with and having conversations with, but I never went back and spent time with those people again. I've started to do it. Yeah, I've started to do it, and it's it's funny. It does take a lot more time. Like it's it's cutting into everything else. Like I've I've I don't I'm not watching as much TV. You know, my dog might sit by the front door, like, "Hey, can you take me out?" I'm like, "Oh, just 15 more minutes. I gotta." You yeah. Know. But um, going back, I found value. I'm curious about the the going back to um, going back to some of the the that kind of emerging themes mm-hmm. and. You know, I'll, I'll say it again. My podcast is kind of like about changes in education. So here's the here's the edu question for you: Did have any of the stories started to connect, kind of specifically with with school experiences? So you know, I've kind of mentioned for me, I'm trying to I'm trying to play a part. I guess it's mentoring, which is kind of close to teaching, but like very much with a compassionate right. heart. 
the you know have any of the stories so far kind of touched on school experiences that sort of like socializing agent like i'm kind of like this because of this happened in school or i'm trying to sort of work against what i've oh, been taught totally yes for sure for sure and it's it's funny because when i um interview somebody i send them like a list of questions and <laughs> it's always the same questions and i tell them this is the theme of the podcast um so i want and one of the questions is like um how is your father what was your connection with your father what was your connection with with school? Were you bullied? Um, did someone ever question your masculinity? Uh, I generally don't ask like don't ask those questions like one by one by one. I just tell them this is the theme of the podcast. Um, so I do, but it, in the end, I actually end up asking those questions because I want to get their personal side because their history really matters. Their experiences really matter into what they are um, as an adult. Then I do like. It, like anytime I, I talk to a guy, for the most part, I would say like 70% of them have told me a story about when they were in school. Um, either that they were in a different type of school or that they were in a different type of group or that, that they were um, either bullied or picked on um, or that they were um, they were not. And they were just like, they, but they noticed something at school. Like I think school really shapes um, a lot of... Uh, what they view. And I think it's, and for some people, and I noticed this specifically uh, when I, when I talk to older, when I talk to older men, um, that it's, it becomes kind of like a block in a lot of people's head, especially if something traumatic happened and a bullying incident can be very traumatic. So it, if, it, and it becomes like a, like a recurring, like a, like a, like a broken record almost um, in their head that you want to just kind of just take out and just say, no, you, you deserve another record in there. Um, but at the same time, like, and that's, that's when I, cause my work is in schools too. So I, I very, I very much think about that when I, when I go to school, when I go to the school and when I, when I talk to teachers and when I talk to parents, because um, specifically, specifically teachers and I say to them, you know, these, this is our, these are very important times for, for young adults. And they're not because, they're getting good grades and marks. It's because this is a big social experiment for them. And, and if they don't graduate the social experiment, it might be very hard for them. Um, and also like teachers, like regardless if you like it or not, you're a role model. Like even if you don't want to be, you still are. Um, and they, they look towards you to, uh, to see how to deal with conflict, to see how to deal with relationships, to see how to deal with empathy, with compassion, um, they they learn those lessons from the from the adults that they care about. Um, and sometimes you don't have a choice, and if they care about you or not, um, if they care about you, they'll they'll learn from you. And that's and and I want to make sure that those teachers know that because so they're they're aware of what they what they do with those kids. It's not just teaching them the Pythagoras theorem. It's, it's definitely teaching them more. My, that's my personal belief anyways. No, it's, uh, I'm, I've often part of, part of the fascination with staying connected with your podcast and even reaching out to you. And like I said, I've, I've had, I went to a next gen men event is the, and, and even, even in the broader sense now of some of the things that I'm considering with this podcast is that I've done a lot to broaden 
who I'm trying to, you know, connect with on the podcast. Right. You know, I've, I've sort of made it back and forth across Canada. I've, I've gone down to the States. I've been into Australia, like all these different places where I've got a chance to talk to educators. And, you know, you have, I had a little bit of an aha moment. I'm like, but education can't just be the individuals inside education. And I've started to really consider the necessary, that permeability. What else do we need to get into education? What else needs to be a part of that conversation and that mm-hmm. relationship? I put out a, um, I put out a Twitter poll uh, a couple weeks back and there's a dude, Kevin uh, Cardell. He's in BC and uh, out in BC, there's a, a program out there called the, I think it's called the Foundry. And, and it's cool because he talked about the foundry. I was giving a talk at uh, an event here and he, and it was, it was a bunch of, I would say high level educators and business owners um, that were sort of like the, um, what would you call it? Like the uh, executive board for something called um, EdCan. So he comes up to me afterwards and he said, you know, some of the stuff that you talked about, about your context, you may want to check out this. And he hands me a card for the foundry. And he introduced me to this term, term, uh, co-location. And I was like, I kind of, you know, breaking the word down. Okay. It kind of makes sense. But in, in, as it was explained to me, it's that idea of putting, you know, essential services kind of in one spot. So it's a one-stop shopping, so to speak. So I, I put that out to my my Twitter, the Twitter sphere, and I said, you know, what are you seeing in your schools right now? If you were to co-locate essential services from public, you know, outside of education. And I, you know, I put down some choices. I put, you know, an athletic mm-hmm. center. I put a medical clinic. Um, I forget what the third one I put. Um, but the fourth one that I put, I put counseling and wellness services. Mm-hmm. That one took the cake. Mm, yeah. So the, the people answering that that sort of jumped on it, you know, obviously a, a closed group, but, you know, these random polls that you put up, sometimes it was an interesting start to a conversation totally. because I think some of the spaces that education has to open up to is to work like what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's specifically with counseling and um, I, I – identify with that a lot because um you know the work i do is is in a school um and um i work with like trying to instill good mental health um values and uh trying to create a a a positive mental health culture inside the school um and so (laughs) people come to think of me as a as a like an extra counselor which i'm not and i and i say to them i'm like you know i i you have 500 kids in your school, I can't counsel all of them. You're actually the best counselor here, to be honest, because they trust you. Um, and so like, if you have questions, you definitely can come over here and ask me and I can tell you uh, some good information. But to be honest, they, you, they probably have a better conversation with you than they will have with me. Um, and I try, because I <laughs> I think, and in my experience anyways, that um, a lot of people are scared of having that kind of conversation because they're worried about like, what they're going to say if something big comes out. And and I totally understand that. I totally empathize with that. And some people might make mistakes and I totally get it. But if like, if you really care about that child, you want to make sure that um, that they're good, I think that you're not going to make, make a mistake because you're going to do everything in, in, in a good faith, like good in under good faith. Um, but that's scary for a lot of people. Uh, and I think that counseling is definitely something that counseling and wellness is something that should be ingrained in almost every part of school culture. 
Um, you know, and that's that's a lot of the work that I end up doing is trying to to tell people that you know you can ingrain mental health into almost every part of the school curriculum. Um, you just can do it in small little instances, but at the same time, once you do it, like you will see not only a more positive school culture, but you're also going to see better grades. You're going to see less kids suspended. You're going to see a better interaction with parents. You're going to see all these different type of positive impacts of the schools. Um, I just think that there's a lot of schools out there that are entrenched into traditional roles that they have had for such a long period of time. It's hard for them to take that out. And I understand that too. That's why I end up talking to school boards and I'm like, okay, well, let me talk to the school board, see what they can do. It is, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to like encapsulate, but at the same time, I want to empower, I want to try to empower more like of the role models in the school to, to be able to have those conversations. And I think it's important. And like I said, it's, it's a part of being that, that positive role model in that school. So yeah, I totally believe in the counseling wellness part of it. Yeah. One, one of the things that, you know, as, as a teacher and as, as an educator, it's, it's, we, we talk about the one kid and you sort of have um, the stuff that you sort of take home with you at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and the, the topics that can start off so simply, but then you, you get into them up to your knees and you realize, holy moly, like I can't put this one, I can't put this one down. Yeah. Or, you know, and it's not, it's not, the part of it could be just physically, I can't put this down because if I do, either I won't be able to pick it back up or no one else is going to pick it up back up. Or it could be the, the mental hooks, like you just, you can't get out of your head. Totally. totally. In your work or in, in sort of, working through the podcast, what's getting in? What's the stuff that you find yourself, you know, not being able to put down sort of like, I guess at the end of the podcast, or let's say at the end of a few, like what's the stuff that's, that's kind of getting in your head. Sometimes I, I worry that um, I become a lot of people's go-to for a lot of, mm. of that information, or even just their, the kind of personal counseling even. Um, which I, I'm not, I shouldn't be. Um, I'm just like, and I tell people, I'm just a host of this part. I'm just more curious about this thing that I am. Yes, I do some research, but I'm not a counselor of any kind. And so I kind of say to them, like, you, I'm going to give you some support. I'm going to give you some resources. Here's some places where you can go. If you want me to help you go to those places totally. But I worry that people, um, because I ask these questions, that they kind of, get attached to what because i because i do care about them and i really do i do care about all the guests that come into the show and because i'm asking them very like empathetic questions and i'm very curious of what they are and i think that curiosity is viewed as like like it's viewed as care right and it really is like i do care about them you know there's that that connection that we make and so i kind of encourage my guests to be like you know like i don't i can't i'm not the i'm not the person to uh, create these conversations. I'm like, you are the person to create these conversations. Go find your friends, go find the guy friends that you have and have that conversation. Take him out for coffee, go for a beer, have that conversation. So that's the things that kind of worries me and kind of, that's why I like, I want to create that community because I feel like a lot of these guys that have these kind of the same kind of questions can talk to each other and create that community within each other. And then, and then once you have that community of support, then, excuse me, then, I don't have to be that 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 uh, lightning rod that creates all these things that connects all these things. They can be the connectors for themselves. 
So I think those are the things that kind of I kind of take home. Also, like there's obviously there's there's instances of like um, mental health problems or addiction problems where I feel that they're like, you know, they're still kind of struggling through it. But I'm happy that for the most part, a lot of them are seem to either have a handle of it or have gotten past of it. Those are the things I definitely take home. I think I take more home more of the of the stuff that I do at work more than anything like the boys, because I know that they're stuck in systems that they can't control, you know, like the, they're stuck with the that either parents or the school or laws or whatever. And that, that kind of, that I take home more than anything else. But with the podcast specifically, I think that's why I wanted to create, I want to really hard to create that community, but it's, I'm finding a tough time to do it. So it's one of the flaws that I have right now that's kind of itching in my head. Dude, that, I think that's a good, that's a, that's one of the best empathetic flaws that I think any educator, any caring human could have. So, you know, that's the backpack, you know, and the hope is that yeah. the individuals don't get too fatigued from their own compassion to, you know, to recognize when you need to put that backpack down every once in a while. My, my colleague and I often talk about the little bit of the mental wrestling match that we have because you know, sometimes you just have to be the best signpost possible. You can't be the person that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, turn the corner for someone. And, you know, I'm speaking, speaking from an, from my education context, because we too get, because of our small space and we're sort of in a niche type of teaching, our families do get, they get hooked on us because we're providing some clarity and we're speaking to them eye to eye and we're giving them time and we're giving them respect and we're giving them the emotional Mm -hmm. fabric that you know we've kind of found that's what they're sort of looking for in an education system so i hear you like it's it's it you become sometimes you're swallowed before you even realize someone was chewing on you yeah totally totally and all of a sudden (laughs) you're into it and you're like whoa 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 i'm I'm, I'm in too deep here i can't We often say, like we do our processes whenever someone is suspended or expelled, we do an intake. And I've taken to saying rate at even at the intake where it seems like maybe we're making fast friends. I say, okay, you know what? I just, I have to back up just a little bit because I feel like I'm sitting at your kitchen table. Mm. And it's just, it's that indicator. Like we just need to just take just one step back and let's start, let's slowly reapproach this conversation. Totally. And I, I have to imagine that's got to be a, a bit of your context as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like that. And it's like, I want to have it a very conversation, especially with the podcast. I want to have a very conversational mode to it, but also at the same time, I, I want to kind of dig deep as well too. And I kind of want to, I want to get to the topics that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And I want to make sure that it's not only, it's a little bit of a challenge, right? Like it's a challenge for my guests too, like to try to dig deep through that. But I think they're open to it, and I and I appreciate that, and I think everybody has been open to that challenge, and especially like I asked at the last question of every episode that I do is is what kind of what piece of advice would you give to other guys that you found useful, and they 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 think hard on that, and they and I think they take that question very seriously. I think every guest is taking that question very seriously, and I appreciate that. But it is something that I have to kind of challenge them on because I think that's sometimes they don't think about that either. And, and so I, d- I do have to make sure that not only wanting to have a conversation with this person, but I'm also, I am also not about, I'm not here to entertain my guests, but I'm also here to entertain and educate the people that are listening to the podcast. I want to make it, you know, informational and also useful for them. So where kind of the zone 
ish where I wrap the podcast. So the 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 whole chasing squirrels, the 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 title is comes from you know a completely ridiculous story. Yeah. Many years back, my dog managed to grab a squirrel off of a tree trunk. And the squirrel, if you ever sort of approach a squirrel, you know, it goes one way, it counter rotates. Like it's it's not anything humanly possible to actually pull one off a tree. But my dog Darcy, she you know, counter cycles and and all of a sudden there's yipping and like right. angry squirrel sounds. And we come around the tree and there's Darcy holding the squirrel down on the ground and the squirrel's freaking out and the dog's like looking at us like, what do I do now? And kind of in that moment, the squirrel gets away you know, and all of a sudden it's up, up the branches staring, you know, and probably cursing at us in whatever squirrel, you know, foul language it's throwing down. And, and then it's like, you know, we're done freaking out. The dog's like, okay, we go about our business. And a story like that is, is notable on many levels. I mean, if, if you ever had, had a pet that decided to sort of hunt on its own, it's disturbing, but this was foolish. My dog's like bouncing her nose off it. Like she doesn't know what to do. And the squirrel's like nose boxing with my, my dog. So it, the story kind of stuck with me and somehow, right. you know, these things resurface and I started to, to consider doing a podcast and, you know, then you, you'd try and, okay, what am I going to call the podcast? How are you going to end the podcast has to be, you try and connect dots. So I kind of land on this thing about chasing change and, you know, are we even aware when we achieve it, you know, do, if we don't achieve it, then how do we deal with the, the aftermath? So that's the kind of the loose, the loose starting point, the seed point for this whole exploration but it puts us in an interesting space so you know we're we're, we're kind of we're, we're nearing the end here of our convo but i am I'm, I'm curious what it is that you're sort of chasing after or you're sort of driving after with the podcast or the work that you do is there a thing that's kind of working you're working towards on the horizon where you see it's kind of giving you a little bit of nervousness a little bit of fear but that kind of like yeah like that's that's what i'm kind of slowly moving towards yeah Man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. And um, I have to think about this because i it's funny that I never approached modern manhood with a goal in mind. I think I've always approached it as um, like these, there's diff, these different ideas that I want to explore and these different ideas that I want to give into um, and see where they land. And I don't know where that, that landing spot is, but it's interesting because with – Specifically with the work I do at the school, and specifically with the podcast, if if I have to have like a like a goal or something in mind as to um, see how how men and how boys interact and react, and either empathize with where that experience is coming from, and also look at what we have um, already and that we have the institutions that we have, and start questioning them, and start questioning their validity, and start questioning is this important or does it do more harm than good or why is it here? I think I'm always been in that, that space of like, can we do better? Can we make this? It's not even just like burn it all down. kind of thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, but at the same time, it's more of like a, for example, I'm going to, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Um, so I, I was talking about this specifically with, with the, with schools in general, like um, a lot of the schools that I've noticed tend to do sport awards at the middle of this class day. So they would take all the kids, uh, they would go to the gym and they would hand out awards to the sports athletes. And I thought this was really weird um, because in, in regards to masculinity, uh, we value as a, as a culture, we value sports athletes 
as one of our top chains of, of what a man, what it is to be a man. Like they're athletic, they make a lot of money, they're good looking for the most part, you know, like that's, that's a high end to achieve. And it's funny because the schools are actually celebrating this in some sort of weird way. I know that they're in, in a surface level, they're just like, well, these are, these, we want to hand out awards to these kids. But when I was a kid, I got picked on by these sports athletes. Um, and so to go take my time out of a classroom, go to the gym and see somebody hand an award to one of my bullies was like a terrible thing. <laughs> and I, and I mentioned this to people and I was like, and they're like, well, this is just how we've done it for, for years. And I'm like, do you think that this is not the, the best way to do this? Do you think that like taking kids out of a classroom in the middle of the day to see them, see them, see other people hand in awards that for people that they may not even like, do you think that might be a detriment, especially around boys? And now we're celebrating um, this type of masculinity in front of everybody else. This is not, this is a very overt message to them. Um, I'm like, so I said, can we do this outside of the school? Maybe do this in an evening. And so this is, this is what I feel like I, I want to be about, like questioning those actual things that we have used for years, years at a time and ask, is this a value to the boys that we have and to the girls that we have? Is this an, does this work? Why do we keep doing this for years and years? Is this valuable now in 2018? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I am both. I've witnessed that not only by being a teacher monitoring, also knowing the students, uh, the students that are in the like the composition of the students and the relationships there. And I have very clear memories of the exact same thing as a child going to those events. So you're tapping into a, that's a deep root for me. And, and, the, and the complexity of it is that I too was an athlete, just not in the popular sports. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and so that's, yeah, you've, you've sort of, so I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, I'm a tennis player. Yes. And and then that's the football player that keeps exactly. you know just harassing me all the it's time. It's the same thing here, right? And I'm not even getting a tennis award. Yeah, but I'm at the sports banquet, so I I totally, man, that's a good one. <laughs> I totally see it too. It's like it's really funny because yeah, and it's only specific sports that get that get propped up and like and I see that with like pep rallies are like, well, we this is school spirit. I'm like, well, you're attaching this sports with school spirits, and now you're you're elevating these athletes, and now what? Now what? You know what I mean? So it's like, I that it's a questioning of these kind of institutional things. That, and what can we make better? And also, like I understand those sports athletes do like like they're not all terrible. Like so they're so these people do want to be awarded and we be cared about. But at the same time, like we can do this better. And that's the thing. Like, can we do this better? I think that's the question. And the bravery to start the conversation, Absolutely. which for me I find sometimes is the hardest. It's easy once you're in, but the whole mindset of not being confrontational, not mm-hmm. being awkward, and all this stuff that's just it's like you said, it's air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's total air around it, but just getting just get through the awkwardness of that of your own sensitivities and probably misguided sensitivity because there's a whole lot of people that would be willing to talk. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that takes a lot of bravery to talk to later. It takes a lot of strength to have that conversation, but just do it. It's fun. (laughs) So here we are at the end. I always like to, you know, throw down, where would you like to be found? Because I, you know, I'm, I'm a fan and I'm, I'm pushing for people to connect with you. Awesome. Um, and, 
And so where, where would ideally, would, where would you like people to connect? Sure. I mean, um, you can find all the episodes of Modern Manhood at modernmanhood.org. But if you know, if you're a lover of podcasts, you probably have a podcast app on iTunes. Just search Modern Manhood. I think I'm the only Modern Manhood in the podosphere. Uh, so hopefully you can find me through there. But if not, look for modernmanhood.org. Yeah, I, I showed the opposites over there. If you find me on Twitter, Modern, Modern Man Pod, same thing on Instagram modern man pod so yeah and just shoot me a line shoot me an email that's what you did i think and it's you know it's led to this and i think it's been great it's a conversation bro i think that's what that's the thing like here's here's another extension here's another little networked part of the web so i really appreciate you taking the time out sitting with me this thanks man i love the combo no i appreciate that this is this is really fun i really appreciate it this was a really good combo Well, I am going to stay connected. I definitely, I'm going to keep following your podcast and, you know, watch out for me. I'll throw some messages your way. Maybe we can have a a follow-up at some point, uh, but I'll definitely stay in touch with you. And if you, and if any one of your listeners wants a t-shirt, my that little t-shirt things on my my website as well too, because I know you find me through a t-shirt. So that's good. It means it's working. It means that's working. Yeah, no, like I said, that's that was the whole seed point. It was a, I was like, I I need to know about modern manhood. How meta is that? Right? I'm looking at this t-shirt and I'm saying the words, I need to find out about modern manhood. And if anyone was in the room, they're like, what's Clef talking about? He needs to explore his modern manhood. In my mind, I'm like, that's a cool t-shirt. So mm-hmm. perception. That, that warms my heart. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, you too, Chris. Bye. Thanks for listening to Chasing Squirrels Podcast. You can find other episodes on iTunes and on Podbean. You ever want to connect with me? You can reach me on Twitter at Chris J. Clef, or you can reach out to me, ChrisJClef at gmail.com. <laughs>